Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Wandering Bear Sports, the number one sports podcast in the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the very best caffeine supplement on the market. Used by elite athletes all over the world, caffeine chewing gum is without a doubt one of the quickest and tastiest ways to get your caffeine in pre-workout or game. Check them out at www.caffeinegumaustralia.com. Today's very special guest is Australian Sevens Captain Nick Maloof. During the podcast, we talk about his time in 15s with the Leicester Tigers and the New South Wales Waratahs. We also go into great detail on the evolution of the Sevens program and the influence the Olympics has had on it. Nick went into great detail on some of the, de- of the demands that the Sevens game places on players both physically and mentally, and he could not have been more generous with his time and answers. He's a fantastic bloke, and I really enjoyed talking to him. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Nick Maloof. I'm good. What's happening? Oh, not much. We've had a couple of days off, so um, just been relaxing. My folks are down. I haven't seen them much in the last year, so. Where where are you from originally? Brizzy. Okay. So you, you moved to Sydney for sevens or did you move to play club footy? No, I moved down here to play sevens. Um, that would have been in 2014 or 15, yeah, 2014. Before yep. that, um, we were spread out all around Australia. So half of us used to train in Brisbane and half of the boys used to train in Sydney and then we'd meet up a week so or for, two before. So for the sevens, for the sevens boys, you mean? So you'd have different yeah. like training bases? Yeah, so we weren't centralised when... When I first started, it was half the team in Brizzy, half the team in Sydney. And then before we'd fly out to a tournament, everyone would just catch up for a couple of days and then off we'd go. And the, the closer to that was in 2012 when I first started and we had we used to have camps at the AIS and that sort of thing. Um, and then close to 2014, we'd usually pick one day a week where the Sydney boys would fly up to Brisbane to train or we'd fly down here. Um, so, so, so they'd fly up, fly up and back in the day type thing. Yeah, to train. So it's uh, it's a lot better now that we're centralised because, um, yeah, it was obviously just so tough to get combinations and and that sort of thing. I, I, spo- I suppose the, the Olympics probably was the real push for that. So a lot of guys... Before it was kind of professional, kind of not professional, and then when the Olympics took off, or when sevens got into the Olympics, was that the push for it in your in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. I guess before that, it was it was probably seen as just a pathway that you'd throw the young guys in, and the the rotation of the squad would just be churning out the best young talent and throw them in the deep end, give them some games at sevens, get them to travel around the world a bit. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, when the Olympics started getting close, uh, Rugby Australia realised we need to get serious about this and, and centralise. And I guess that's what you see in the program now. It's there's guys that spend their whole career playing sevens, specialising in sevens, um, because, yeah, there's, there's an Olympics on offer if, if you want to stick around. Have you, have you played much 15s? Or have you just played sevens the last bit? I've the only fifteens I've played is a year over in the UK Premiership at Leicester. Um, that was in seventeen eighteen. 
and I was lucky enough to be with the Tars um, for last year's Super AU season. Sweet. Well, we're going to talk about both of that. I got I got some good info from a young Jed Holloway on on some things to ask you on that, mate. <laughs> how, how was twenty twenty? When when did you guys? So you guys were obviously training for Rio. Talk me through how it all went down for you guys. Yeah, for Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, to- um, Tokyo. For Tokyo, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I guess COVID for us was we were in Vancouver. We'd just finished a back-to-back tournament. We went LA, Vancouver, um, and obviously finished in Vancouver with a second. So um, we're building really nicely um, in the season. And then there was a few, like, reports about, Corona and that sort of thing as we were coming back and we land I remember we landed and then within a week of us being back it went from nothing to like just absolute madness so it was crazy we just went from smack bang in the middle of our season to absolutely nothing um in the in the blink of an eye um and then yeah we until three weeks ago, we hadn't played sevens as a as a squad since Vancouver. So it's been a while between drinks. How did it all go down? Was it, you know, we're waiting and seeing what's happening. This could possibly be a postponement of the World Series. Or was it kind of a delayed reaction from the AIU? How did, how did they approach it from their end? Well, I guess at the start, there was just so much uncertainty around how how big is this thing actually going to be. Um, so we were, we were sort of in a holding pattern for a little bit. Then we had two weeks of our annual leave when um, everything went into lockdown here. We just thought, okay, well, we can't, we can't be training anyway, so we might as well take our annual leave. And then I guess from there as the reality of what was happening set in, they just, the natural progression was, okay, well, we're, we're not going to be going to Hong Kong and Singapore. So, and then more tournaments would get cancelled. So for us as a squad, we, we sort of just said, well, let's, let's look at how we can get the most out of this. So if guys can get new experiences, challenge themselves in different ways, then, then let's do that. So, while she was really good about sort of telling guys go play a full season of shoot shield. If you've got an opportunity with a super club, go and pursue that, go and challenge yourself and, and yeah, just make the most of, of what we got. And when the time's right, um, we'll all come back together and make sure that we're prepared completely for Tokyo. Well, how did the opportunity at the TARS come about? Uh, it was just out of the blue, to be honest, our, um, head of performance out, the manager for the sevens program, Scott Bowen got in touch with me, um, and said the Tars were looking for you, for a few guys. Would I be interested? And, um, yeah, I've, I've always been of the, the mindset to, I guess, take every opportunity that you can get and try and make the most of it. Uh, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to impact, anything that was happening with the sevens that was 
was always going to be my priority. But as long as it didn't have any impact on that, then I thought, well, fantastic. It, it means that I can be training and um, regularly with with a, a, a really good team, a high-performing team, and um, get to meet a bunch of guys I hadn't played rugby with. I had fond memories of playing 15s in Leicester. Um, so I guess just a culmination of all those things, it, it was just, yeah, why not? What What is a stunt cock? <laughs> uh, I, I think you should probably just go on Urban Dictionary <laughs> rather than me detailing it, but... Oh, I know what that or, one is. In rugby terms, what in okay. rugby terms? In rugby terms, a stunt cock is the blokes who are basically preparing as in the literal definition preparing <laughs> the main event for the for the big show so yeah i guess you could say a stunt cock is the blokes who are making sure that the starting 15 the start the the 23 that are going to take the field are in um perfect condition and are going <laughs> to perform at their best on the weekend Mate, I've been in, I've been in rugby my whole life, and I'd never heard that till yesterday, and I loved it. So, Hol- yeah, Holloway told me, Holloway told me I had to ask him about that. Oh, was that a lesson thing? Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't take credit for it, but I it was so good that I, I thought I had to pass it on somewhere else. It's fantastic. What what did you think of the task? Did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, I had a great time actually. It was um. It was really good because I, I guess I was one of the, the older blokes there, but with not heaps of 15s experience. So for me, it was it was cool to be able to, I guess, chat with the younger guys about how their, their rugby career was going, progressing, um, bring in some, some chat like the stunt cocks and, and that sort of stuff and get involved in the the socials with the young guys and then obviously be able to have a, a good relationship with the older guys as well, like Jed and Hoops and, and Simo and those sorts of guys. So yeah, it was, it was fun that I could sort of just chop and change and, and really get a good um, connection with a lot of the guys in the squad, because sometimes those 15 squads are just so big that it's hard to actually build strong relationships with, heaps of guys I guess that's one of the beauties of sevens is that a lot of our relationships are quite intimate and close because the squad size is less than half were there were there any guys in the team that might have surprised you like you you might have had a preconceived notion of them and they turned out to be a fantastic guy or vice versa if you want to go that way uh no there was no there was no shit blokes there no uh I to be honest, I was I was very impressed with um, Harrow and just the way he carried himself. He's a young guy with a lot of pressure on him. I know that ten jersey, particularly at the Tars, um, comes with, I guess, certain expectations. I, I thought he the way he handled himself was really good, and I think that's Will Will Harris. Yeah, Will Harrison. So if yeah. I think he's he's got a big future um, in the game. And then I guess if you look at um, – I'm talking more about backs here just because I've got 
a lot more time spent in unit sessions with them while those big blokes are mauling against each other. Um, Will Maddox, his kicking game's unbelievable and some of the passing and skills he does at tri- like that you see at training, like you're not surprised when stuff like that comes off in games. Um, and then I guess the guy that I had no expectation of or didn't really know and just burst out of the blocks would be um, James Ram. He had a oh, fantastic yeah. season last year. and I agree, um, totally. And yeah, it was... was um, Rewarded for what was a really good season to get into that Wallaby squad. There's my dog. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, did how did the training compare to the sevens? Obviously, it's a different game, but did you find it? I mean, obviously, it's it's different conditioning, but but how is it different? Well, I guess if you look at the uh, physical aspect, the the amount of high speed running is well, it's, it seems like you just get a lot more rest between each effort. So in sevens, it, it might be a few seconds. Whereas in fifteens, if you make a break, the ball goes out the other side, you've got time to, to sort of reset. Whereas sevens, if the ball goes out to the right, it's probably going to be back left. Like by the time you're back on your feet again. So Physically, I I actually felt like I wasn't training hard enough when I was at the TARS. I guess you just become conditioned to pretty brutal sessions with, with sevens. Um, and I'd almost come off the field saying, like, I feel like I need to do more. Um, and then I guess from a, a skills point of view, it's just focus on, on different things, I guess, a lot of close quarter contacts, whereas sevens is defending huge channels and, and lots of different space, different um, defensive systems, different attacking systems. I guess the main thing is you've just got more guys around you versus less guys. Like I think like I absolutely, I love both games, but I love sevens because it just puts your skills under a microscope. Like if you, if you can't do the basic skills and you, you can't hide from any area, like I guess if you're, I don't know, in in a certain position in 15s, you might not have to be as good at a restart or a ruck or or some or a line out or some small part of the game where in in sevens it's like it just develops everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess that's why I love it, but. Similarly, it was it was great in in fifteens to work on some of those smaller things that I guess I hadn't done in a couple of years. I, I suppose in in sevens, if you miss a tackle, they're scoring a try. Generally speaking, the opposition. Whereas in fifteens, if if I miss a tackle, I've got other guys. There's a second line of defence, cover tackles. So you really have to be good at those core skills like rucking, tackling, catch pass off both hands, which you could probably hide a little bit in fifteens. How was your experience in Leicester? Um, I absolutely loved it, mate. I, um, yeah, I I went over just because I I needed a change. I'd been playing sevens for probably um, five or yes, five or six seasons, um, and I just got to the point where I just I just needed something different. So 
I signed an academy contract over there and just thought I've always wanted to play 15s and know that I could play professionally. The premiership's a fantastic competition, so I'm just going to sign a year over there, go over with my fiance. We'll just see what happens. Um, and, yeah, I, I was lucky enough that I got on well with the boys, with the coaching staff. They, I was, I guess, my, well, my goal when I first got there was to play one game in the Prem before Christmas. And I had started, I think, pretty much every game by Christmas and ended up with just over 20 caps um, for Leicester in the season. So, um, exceeded my expectations and I was probably I would have been very happy to stay over there if while she hadn't gotten in touch to come back to sevens um yeah I'd probably still be over there now to be honest okay I was going to ask whether there was any interest from them in, in you staying let's talk a bit about sevens so when did you make your debut uh I debuted in 2012 in Dubai so you've you've been so how old are you by the way? Uh, twenty seven, turning twenty eight this year. So I debuted okay. when I was nineteen. And okay, we came dead last. That in the, in the series that year, in the tournament that I debuted in, we came who, who, dead last. Um, who was coach? Who was coaching? Snoz, Michael O'Connor. Okay, yeah. so you so you've gone through quite an evolution in terms of the sevens program. How does it compare now to when you first walked in the door there? Yeah, I guess, um, first of all, you look at a centralised program versus a program that wasn't centralised. Guys who are contracted to play sevens full-time professionally. Uh, Obviously, we're now based out of the Rugby Australia building um, at Moore Park there. The facilities are fantastic. You look at Olympics being um, on every four years, a major draw card along with the Commonwealth Games. Um, and then if you look at the tournaments that we're playing at, most tournaments of the 10 tournaments around the world are close to selling out. So we're playing so lucky to play um in front of huge crowds all around the world. Um, And it's just, yeah, I can't speak highly enough for the program. I've spent a huge part of my rugby career in it. And, um, yeah, I I just absolutely love it. What about the the standard of play? Has it generally lifted across all the nations due to the Olympics and professionalism coming in? Yeah, or is it, uh, or is it, or is it kind of hard to notice because as it's been evolving, you've been evolving as well. Yeah, it's been, it's been. When you're in it day to day, you don't notice as much. But well, for example, um, Palmer foes come back into the team after being um, in 15s for a couple of years, and we've just been playing some domestic tournaments, and I know he. He was saying he feels like everything's just quicken up at training, um, in games. It's just, and I guess there was a level where we were, we sort of, I remember in 2016, it was the World Series was 
at a certain level. And then the Olympics was at a pace that was just like, where, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. So you, so you who've been in the program training full time, even noticed that. Yeah. Okay. That says something. Yeah. And I think that's probably, I'm, yeah, I'm probably not realizing it year to year, but I think that is happening. If you watch the standard of some of the games today, like it's just, I, I go back and watch old games and it's like, it's uh, someone put this at half speed. Because yeah, yeah. everything's just getting quicker and faster and more intense, efficient. Like it's just, yeah, the standards just getting crazy. I've always wondered this. What kind of distance do you cover on average in a game? I think it's about one and a half Ks to two Ks. Depending, it depends on how many minutes you play. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that one and a half to two Ks is at quite a high velocity with Sprinting. accelerations, decelerations. Yeah. And then all the jumping on the restarts. Um, and yeah. three to four, three to four games a day sometimes as well. Yeah. Usually, usually three. Um, the, the format for the Olympics is three days with two games every day. And most of the world series uh, is either that set up or uh three games for two days so six in total yeah. okay so you're covering some serious mileage over the two two days have they given you guys any word on what's happening in terms of the world series going forward uh at this stage the plan is to kick off in dubai next year um, with, with with crowds well, they don't know yet. Oh, it's, I think it's just too far out. Oh, to... oh, next next year, next year. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's, it would be, sorry, later this year in Dubai yeah. is usually when the, the season kicks off. Sorry, I, I talk seasons rather than no. <laughs> uh, like calendar years. Um, yeah, so it'd be later this year in, it's usually the last weekend of November or the first week of December. Okay, and Tokyo's still going ahead because last I heard that was kind of up in the air as well yeah there's there's been a bit of um, negative media stuff floating around that I think didn't really have any yeah (laughs) didn't really have any credible uh, sources so yeah I I was on the on a call with um, Ian Chesterman the um, chef de mission of the AOC last week and yeah, all the news they're getting is that um, the Japanese government and the IOC are fully committed to to making it happen. I think no one's under any illusion that it's going to look very different. Um, so there's going to be testing protocols and you're not going to be able to hang around in the village once you compete. You can come five days before you compete. You have to leave within 48 hours after you compete. You have to have a certain number of um, negative test results prior to departing for the games um all sorts of different things um but i think the athletes are more than happy i know our squad is um for for the games to look that way we just would love a chance to compete and um and um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it in july were you in the team for rio yeah tell me about that how was that experience 
Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was an interesting one for me. I well, I'll go back a little bit. I did my ACL in October the year before the games. So I didn't actually play on the World Series the season, the whole season leading into it. And we had some um, like trial games against Japan came out to play us um, in Sydney about six weeks before the games. Um, and coming down from a line out, I tore two thirds of the meniscus in my knee in the same knee. Um, so I went into surgery the next day, got that cut out on the day that the Olympic team was being named. I was in having surgery and so I got named, managed to get back. I was training and thought that I was, um, I guess, going to be right to play and, and do all the things that I wanted to be able to do. Um, but I guess you never know until you get out there. And, yeah, I think in the tournament I found out that I probably wasn't at the level that I needed to be at, um, which was super disappointing for me um in terms of sorry in, in terms of physically yeah i just just, just a, t- a touch underdone maybe yeah and I, okay. like i felt i felt like i was fine during um the training that we were doing and i was ticking all the boxes um but like i said when i felt like rio just went to another level and I just, I wasn't at the level that I, I probably needed to be, which was, yeah, um, tough because I, I felt like I was right. But yeah, looking back, I, I probably wasn't. And I just, I just couldn't play the way I wanted to. Um, and then obviously it was, yeah, a disappointing campaign um, for us coming eighth. Um I guess the, the Olympic experience as a whole, I mean, I still remember the, the opening ceremony clear as day when you just, the way they set the stadium up, it's like a circle and then you, all the countries are getting ready around the outside and then you walk like underneath the stadium and pop out just inside it. And all I remember hearing was the, the crowd announcer said, like, welcome Team Australia or something. And then you pop out on this thing and just the noise was berserk. And it was, it was weird because you watch so many opening ceremonies and you see the Australian team and then it was All like, of a sudden you're there. oh my God, I was actually there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so experiences like that were unbelievable. Just being in the, the Olympic village, all those sorts of things were great. But I guess, yeah, it's just, it's always just been not quite right because a little thing at the back going, I was a bit underdone. We should have gone better than we did. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's, if we go back to what we're speaking about before, why did I come back? Um, It's because I genuinely think that we're going to be on the podium and I wouldn't come back if I didn't believe that. And, like I'm so committed to making sure that 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 happens, and that's just one of the things that I feel like I, I really need to do. Who was the coolest person you met 
at the games? Uh, I didn't meet him, but Usain had, I think, every girl from every country following <laughs> him around, trying to take selfies um, with him. Obviously, there was some some Aussies that you see um, floating about. Yeah, it was just crazy. None of the basketball guys were in the village. They were all staying on some – the US team were staying on some yacht off off the coast. Um, that would have been cool to meet meet some of them. But it's just like your head's just on a swivel. Like there's just size differences. Like there's just absolute monsters. What we used to play when we were eating – at the um, food hall was like, just guess what sport someone plays. So you like, there's just Eastern European guys that are absolutely humongous. That might be water polo blokes. Like that would be my worst nightmare. Imagine some six foot six beast trying to drown you. They call it rugby under rugby underwater is what they call it. Yeah. No, thanks. So yeah, it was, it's just one of those experiences that was just amazing because you just got to experience like what it's like to be right in, in the mixer of, of an Olympics. Did you, obviously it was pretty full on until you finished playing, but once, once you guys had finished the tournament, did you get a chance to enjoy yourself? Yeah. Yeah, we did, which was, which was good. Um, to, I guess, just let our hair down and enjoy, enjoy the village and, and that sort of thing and get out and see some of the sites and support some of the other teams who are still competing. Um, yeah, that was really good. How was it from the boys' perspective watching the girls go so well? Yeah, I mean, I they they competed the three. So they competed on days one, two, and three, and we were four, five, and six. So we were straight after them. Um, incredible what they achieved, like amazing um that they got the gold it's i can't i I, I honestly couldn't imagine yeah i honestly think it's changed women's sport in this country them winning that gold medal yeah a hundred percent it has um absolutely incredible achievement um i'm not sure personally it, it it didn't affect my preparation or my performance i don't think um and i don't i don't think anyone else in the squad either would would say that that was something that affected our performance but just unreal what they were able to achieve i've got some just random questions for you it's just because of the way my brain works so just bear with me When, when you're when you're playing a tournament obviously you gotta get up for the game play the game, then you've got a period of time between games. How do you guys manage that downtime to have to get up for the next game? Is it an individual thing or is there something the team does as a unit? Yeah, I think it's probably pretty individual. Um, And I think that's something you probably learn as you become more comfortable, experienced, all those sorts of things with how sevens works and the the pressure of each tournament. Um, I know for me, if I was to keep that game mentality or I guess just focused, intense focus for the whole day, like can you, that's like 
You'd be exhausted. Over 12 hours, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. So I guess I've got a routine and and the way the tournament works when we we start getting ready about 20 to half and 20 minutes to half an hour before our our warm-ups each each time and that's I might be putting my shorts on and that sort of thing and then about 15 minutes before we go out we've had a focus meeting and and I'll know the sorts of things that I need to start focusing on there might be a tactical change I talk to guys about what we're going to do on restarts because the restart is such a big part of seven so I'll just start having little conversations there and then we'll warm up, play the game, and game will be done straight in ice bath. Um, and then so straight a- up. after after every game, yeah, after every game, jump in the ice for five minutes, then go have a feed, um, and then from there, depending on what the turnaround is, I'll and what I'm feeling, I'll either have a sleep in between or just lie down in a dark room or if I'm not feeling too tired, I might just stay in the the food area and just watch some of the games on TV. For me, it's just, and obviously then while I'm eating my food, I'll watch the game that we've just played um, and watch some snippets of the opposition we're about to play in that who have just played their game as well. Um, But yeah, like I said earlier, it's, the tricky part is getting up and then down and then up and then down. Um, but I, I guess the more you get familiar with it, that the easier it gets. I know. Yeah. It's an, just one yeah, of those it, things. Is, is, so it's, so it's something that, that you learn over time. Have you, have you ever worked with a sports psychologist or anything like that to work on your processes and how you handle things? Or is this just something you've learned yourself? Um, I guess by the time we started having a sports psych come in, I'd actually found something that I'd really liked. And I guess I was at a stage where I'd played over 30 tournaments and I was pretty comfortable with how things were operating for me. Um, the biggest thing I think is just understanding like when you need to be up and, and what's going to be best for you on the field. And it, it's tricky. Like I, I can remember in, in my early tournaments, you're like still in shock that you're there playing for Australia. And it's like the tournament day and you're like looking around, it's like there's a massive crowd, like all this stuff going on. Like, oh, my God, I'm playing on the World Series. Like this is what I've always wanted to do. There's New Zealand over there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's really tricky to go, okay, we've just had a game. We've played really well. Now all I need to do is just chill out and I don't need to be replaying games or worrying about other stuff. All I need to do is just chill for the next little bit and I know that 15 minutes before I go out to warm up, I can cover off all the things that are important to ensuring I play well when I get back out on the field again. Hey, what does what does a normal week look like for you guys when you're in like a preseason type period? So you're ramping up for a tournament. Just say you're just say during the time you're ramping up for Rio. What was an average week like for you guys? Um, 
Yeah. So I'll just, to be honest, most, there's not too much of a difference between pre-season and in-season for us because the way it works is between, so on a normal World Series, we'll go play tournaments for back-to-back weeks. Then we'll come back to Australia for maybe three weeks and then we'll go away for two weeks. So we actually do like a mini pre-season in between each time we tour because when we arrive there we've got a week and in that week we're just trying to get acclimatized and recover so that we're playing well on the weekend so we do most of our work as little mini pre-seasons back in Australia so um yeah our, our usual schedule is three main field sessions um and they'll be anywhere from I don't know Five or so is, six to... is is that a day or is that Monday, Wednesday, Friday or, or how do they work that? So the field sessions, so we'll be in at least four or five times a week, yeah. but we'll only be on the field to do big sessions three or yeah three or four okay. times. Yeah. Um, so not every day we're in, we're going out onto the field. Okay. Um, the main the main field sessions are a combination of um, conditioning. So it might be either conditioning games, which we play like offside touch or um, drop off touch, or a variation of that um, mixed in with a lot of seven on seven stuff. I don't think there's you can't really supplement just playing seven on seven against guys for anything. Um, and then mixed in with that, it will be particular skills, um, that we're trying to work on. So we might do tackle tech stuff. We might work on our restart for 15 minutes, um, tracking all those sort of small parts will be mixed in with, uh, seven on seven stuff and our conditioning. Um, so that those will happen on at least three or four days. And then between that, we're doing four gym sessions a week. And I guess the the priorities for that is around um, strength and power. So we don't really need to be carrying like huge amounts of muscle bulk. Um, Cause yeah, the, the heavier guys are, they're more likely to do soft tissues and that with all the change of direction we're doing it, we actually, don't mind if guys are a little bit lighter within reason. I know I personally, I played at, when I was playing at Leicester, I was 98 kilos and I play sevens at about 92 kilos. Okay. So there's a bit of difference. Yeah. Um, and obviously just with that repeat um, effort sort of stuff, we're just, it's just going to slow you down if, if you're carrying all this excess mass that you don't don't need to be so as long as guys are strong and powerful in collisions um, and that sort of thing that's that's what we're trying to get out of gym Um, we usually have one or two indoor skills sessions as well as the stuff we're doing on um, the field in between the conditioning and that and they're usually before the field session so we like to call them like a little primer so um, it might be working on different things like reflexes, um, hand-eye coordination with tennis balls, 
Um, we play spike ball. I don't know if you've played spike ball. It's, yeah, um, it's I've seen awesome it. Awesome <laughs> fun. The boys, yeah, the boys get around that. Um, so just trying to just mix up things to get guys ready to get out to training so that when we get on the field, we're just, we're not going through that 15 to 20 minutes of warming into training. We're already ready to go. Um, and then obviously there's all the usual things, um, looking and reviewing other teams, reviewing our other, reviewing our own training, um, recovery, ice baths, uh, physio, all that sort of stuff. Um, do they do they do bronco fitness tests for you guys? We aren't using it as our standard fitness measure at the moment. What do you so what do you guys use? I couldn't even tell you what mine. What do you guys is. use? Uh, we're doing the yo-yo. Okay, uh, who? What's an average score of the yo-yo for you guys? Oh, uh, I'd say the average is well. We're actually testing on Monday. Um, do so, they tell you what they do they tell you what they want you to get? Yeah, so Rugby Australia has guidelines and I think optimal is above 20 competent is between maybe 18 and 20 or 18 and a half and 20 and then less than 18 might be work on or whatever whatever the terminology is. Okay. Um, so I guess we'd like most of the guys sitting ideally above 20. Um, but probably around somewhere in the 19s there is is the average. What's Tim Walsh like to work with? Um, yeah, I've got a fantastic relationship with him and I, 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 I think he's a fantastic coach. I think the thing that I noticed straight away when I came back and, and he was coaching is just the detail in the preparation. Um, that he goes to um, every he's just thought about everything. Each team has a specific, I guess, tactic that he thinks, well, if we do this, we can, we can get a little edge here. I guess his philosophy is that we have a, an overarching theme of, okay, this is what we're going to do in a, attack this is what we're going to do in defense and and this is what we do with our restart and then within that framework we can just make little tweaks to to each team so i don't know we might change our restart depending on what team we're playing with our attack we might look to play back to the short side more often or where sorry uh so just when you were talking about the attack the difference when you when you were talking talking about the attack for different teams down the short yeah, side. So, yeah. So just basically just saying that we have, we have general structures, but the ability to just make small tweaks to, um, I guess, take advantages of, of teams weaknesses or where we see opportunities is his big thing. And his, his whole mindset is just about preparation. If, if we're prepared and we've, we've done everything that we can, then it's like, there's no, there's no reason that we can look back and say, well, we should have done that or we could have done that. If, if we just leave no stone unturned, then it's, it's up, it's up to us as players to go out and execute that. And 
part of the preparation is, I guess, ensuring that everyone understands their role, that they know how to execute their job. Um, and in, in that way, we're, we're just looking for guys to do the process and, and not worry about the outcome too much. So in a sevens tournament, you can play up to five or six games, maybe five or six games usually. Yeah. When, you're, when you're preparing for different teams, does this, does this happen in the week of the tournament or does it happen in the, in the preseason block where you're at home or both? Yeah, so uh, it'll happen. So you know how I, I said we've got those three weeks that we're back in Australia before yeah. we go away um, for two weeks on tour? Generally, we'll know our pool, which will be the first day of games. We'll know that at least two weeks out. So within that fortnight before we leave, we'll split up into, excuse me, we'll split up into different groups. Um, some guys will take the attack, restart, the ruck, defence, and we'll just pick out little things, watch a couple of their games from the last tournament, see the trends, all that sort of thing. And then we present that to the team. And as a team, we come up with, along with Walsh's input, and I'm sure he pushes harder for some things um, and might steer the conversation in a certain direction, but we're essentially coming up with the game plan altogether. And I think that's that's really important because then there's a there's a, that ownership and and we actually feel responsible for, all right, well, I went and I saw that in the game. I understand it because I wasn't just told it. I actually saw it happen. So I've got an understanding of it. I'm owning it. And now it's on me to go out and actually make that happen and, and execute. Um, so, yeah, we, we do all that stuff beforehand and we almost go over it so much that it gets a bit repetitive. And then, so when we get to overseas in the, in the tournament week, we're not going over six or 10 PowerPoint slides. It's just one or two PowerPoint slides, just covering off on the super important stuff. Cause the rest of that detail we've, we've covered off um, in the preceding weeks. Is there a difference between being captain of the sevens team and just being a normal squad player? Like, do you, do you have any additional roles and responsibilities that you have to do compared to a normal guy? Uh, I guess in in the week of a tournament, there's a, there's a bit of extra stuff. Um, they've got the captain's photo at each location. So um, go out and do that. And there's usually a bit of media stuff that, that comes with that. Um, what, what about your that, role within within the team? So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's 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 certain things where, I guess. Well, if you look at on on the field, for example, um, a lot of it might look pretty quick and frantic, and we're always taking quick taps, but. Um, me and the guys that are controlling the game, so that the halves will usually make decisions of, are we going to say we get a penalty and it's a, it's slow? Are we going to kick for touch or 
Are we going to play to a, a tap move? Uh, at each half time, what you'll see is all the boys go in and take a breath together and me and Walsh will chat around what we're seeing for 20 seconds while, while the boys are just taking a breath. Walsh and I will have a chat and then I'll go and deliver the messages for what we want to work on. Um, that was that yeah. was something that we introduced about a year ago, um, and the feedback on that's been been really good. So, um, and then I guess away from away from it, the big thing for me is just trying to trying to set an example and and make sure guys are. Well, set an example with the way I train uh, um, and then trying to make sure that guys are, are feeling good, that, that they are getting the most out of the program. What can I, what can we do as a squad to help someone else? Um, if they've got any questions, uh, just ask um, and, and seeking that out because I remember as as a young guy, you don't always want to ask, but if someone comes up and says, not in a team meeting, like that can sometimes be overwhelming. Maybe it's just like, I know that you, there's a lot of new information. Like, is there anything that you need help with in our defense system? Because I know it's a bit daunting at first, but just, or do you want to come watch training with me? The laptops are up there. We sit down and we'll watch huddle together or, okay, we got, We've, we've done some new lineouts. Why don't we just do half a dozen lineouts at the end of training? Let's do that. Um, so oh, stuff okay, like that. Yeah. I just, yeah, just making sure that that everyone is comfortable with what we're trying to achieve, and, and so that when we get out there, it happens. Awesome, awesome, mate. I, I won't keep you too much longer i'm really grateful for your time but i've just got a few random questions i've got to ask how is nathan lawson going in the program uh fantastic he's I've lost you i know you this you got me no i've got i've got you again i've got you again yeah he's um he's being super impressive a guy that um yeah, he's had a couple of opportunities to play in, in the domestic tournaments that we've had um, in recent weeks in Narrabri and Armadale. And I think, yeah, everyone's been impressed with how he's going. He's, he's definitely taking the opportunity that he's been given um, just because he's when he gets out on the field, he just, he just carries hard and he just does the simple stuff well and he's asking questions about, all right, if, if we're in this situation, like what should I be doing? And guys that you can see genuinely want it. Like that's the best when you're in a team and guys are going, all right, like, can I go over this stuff with you? Or like, what do you reckon we should be doing here? Like I love it when guys come up and ask questions and, and want to like be better and, and help contribute to the team and, Sometimes, well, actually, a lot of the time, I don't have the answers. It's more of a discussion. Like, I don't know what do you like, what do you think, or what are you feeling in this situation? Um, but Nate's been, yeah, he's been super impressive. I, I, um, I'm keen to see him. We got it, and hopefully, we got Oceania, an Oceania tournament 
or two actually coming up. Are they going to do that in, in Australia? May. Yeah. In Australia? Okay. Yeah. So um, if he if he gets an opportunity there, it'll be um, yeah super exciting to see how he goes against um, New Zealand and Fiji. Mate, he's he's honestly one of the most natural rugby players I've ever seen. So it's not a surprise to me that he's going well there. What about life after rugby for you? How many more years do you think you've got left? And have you got an idea what you want to do after you finish playing? Well, uh, to the first part of that question, I would love to go for as long as I can. Um, this is just, to me, it, it doesn't get any better than playing rugby professionally. Like I go to work every day and it's like, how good is this? Like it's so lucky. You know, I, that's probably one of the things that I've taken out of the last year is like, how good is it to be able to travel the world, play in front of big crowds, like it's just, I'm so lucky to do what I do. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm off contract at the moment after the Olympics, but I'd love to stay around and potentially do another Olympic cycle. Um, yeah, I, it's, I, I'm yeah turning 28 this year, so hopefully I've got a few more years left. So you still feel it? You're, you're still feeling good. Yeah. There's no real. There's no real end in sight. No, no, not. Beautiful. I'm hoping. I'm hoping not anytime soon. Fingers uh, crossed. Then, fingers crossed. What? Yeah, and then post footy, I've done a Bachelor of Commerce. I finished that in 20, okay. uh, 2017. So, yeah, I've done bits and pieces of of work experience with um, different companies, and I haven't found anything that I'm a hundred percent locked in. But I guess the the great part about rugby is that you you meet um, such a diverse um, range of people who are, are passionate about the game and um, yeah, just trying to make the most of of interactions and people that I'm lucky enough to meet and stay in touch and who knows what might happen um, down the track. Who's the best player you've ever played with or against? So the 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 coolest player I've played against would I'd have to say well I marked Joe Rockathoko when I was playing at Leicester he was playing at racing and people will say yeah he's not in his prime but I grew up watching him like just be an absolute beast so when I found out I was marking him and marking him in the game was like one of the coolest things I've ever done. Dan Carter was in that team as well. Um, in terms of sevens players, I'm, I don't know that there's anyone better than Moz. Like Maurice Longbottom is just, he is outstanding. Like, and he had, he had some things in his game that he had to work on is, He'll be the first to admit that his defence when he first joined wasn't great. Um, if you watch our games now, he's, his work in defence and his work at the ruck, he's just brought that game up to in line with where everyone's, everyone sees the fancy stuff and attack, but the other stuff he's brought up um, 
in line to that level. And yeah, he's, he's amazing. That's, that's a very big rap considering how long you've been around. When I was, I was talking to a couple of mates about you. So we, we've got a couple of mutual friends, uh, Henry Hutchison, shout out to the great man. And obviously, obviously Jed Holloway. Why do they call you? So I've, I've come across two nicknames for you. Jed yeah. calls you Moose. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Uh, that came from the strength and conditioning coach. When I first joined the program, he's now at the Brumbies, John Mitchell. He, um, one day he basically decided he was just going to give everyone nicknames. And so. Do it, buddy. Just, just printed, just started pretty for no reason. The print is just, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, basically just. In typical Mitchy style, he's just like, all right, today, boys, I'm giving everyone a nickname. And there's not going to be any reasoning to it. I'm just going to pick a random word or whatever, and that's going to be a nickname. And he goes, um, all right, well, Maloof, yeah, that sounds like Moose. All right, you're Moose. And I was like, yeah, righto. Righto, Mitchy. That'll be gone by tomorrow. And it's stuck. <laughs> and, yeah, now my mate's... Basically, everyone except my family call me Moose. My mates who I went to, in, like who went to school in Brisbane, they call me Moose. Like, yeah, I got. I actually one. I can't remember who it was, but one guy actually told me he thought my legal name was Moose for like a month, and then someone must have said Nick Maloof or something. He's like, what the hell? Like, I thought his I thought his name was Moose. So yeah, it's, it feels it's it sounds weird when someone's when someone calls me Nick. It, it could have been a lot worse than Moose, just quietly. So you're lucky. Yeah, you got that. exactly. No, I'm happy with Moose. It's yeah, as you say, this he could have gone a lot worse. Mate, it could have been Stunt Cop, for for example. Yeah. Uh, well, that's um, not that's, that's not bad thing. That's not bad thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. True. Uh, the the other nickname Hutz Hutz told me they call you Dad. Yeah. What's that about? Um, that's basically because I'm just boring and yeah, just sub in any range of synonyms for boring and old and probably poor dress sense. Um, not that Hutchie can talk. That's um, very rich. That's very rich you know, from him. You isn't know it? what Hutch's nickname is though, don't you? No. The guru. Well, because he knows everything. Yeah, because you just ask him. He's the, he's the expert on anything. <laughs> I'll definitely be clipping that and putting it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing he told me? He said you've you've got an obsession with your lawn. Yep, I sure Tell do. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, that probably goes into the, the dad thing as well, doesn't it? Um, something that some old bloke would be into not some young hobby i yeah um i laid new turf in covid and yeah i can't get enough of it my favorite time of the week apart from being at training my favorite time of the week is getting the honda lawnmower out and um running over my sapphire buffalo and um yeah i could go on but i don't 
you might start losing subscribers. Oh, mate, who, who cares? To the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. No, nah, it's good. What? It's one of the things that, yeah, I think I think you got to have a few things away from footy that you like doing. The lawn's one of them. I love surfing, getting to the that beach. Was, that was going to be my next question. Have you got any hobbies outside of lawning and rugbying that you get into? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love. Obviously, I live surfing. pretty close to the beach, so I love surfing. Um, do a bit of reading and cooking is probably the other thing. I don't mind cooking. I've got a beef <laughs> bourguignon on oh, upstairs ooh. at the moment. Is that uh, the Donna Hay recipe? Uh, no, it's Julia Childs, I think. Yeah, I think I've done. I think I might have done that one. It's it yeah. takes a while. It's like a one pot type thing. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. good. Fantastic. But last question, and I'll, I'll leave you alone. What advice would you give your 18-year-old self? I think the biggest thing for for me is just make the most of, of any opportunity you get. And you never know who's who's watching or where or who's going to hear about your reputation or what, what kind of person you are. Um, yeah, I... For me, I was never making rep teams through through school or anything, but everyone gets their opportunity at some stage. And if you're always putting your best foot forward, then you can never, I guess, walk away with regret and say, well, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that. Um, yeah, just, just make the most of every opportunity and, and put your best foot forward when you get one. Mate, beautiful way to end. Um, good luck in Tokyo. Hopefully it all goes ahead. Uh, good luck with all the Oceania stuff coming up. And thanks very much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It's good to meet you. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. No, mate, my pleasure. I'll, um, I'll let you know when it's up. Thank you so much. Perfect. Cheers, Duncan. All right, bud. Good to meet you. You too, mate. Catch you, man. Bye. See ya.